Welcome to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to my first guest, Barry Hayes. And um, me and Barry go, go back a few years because we used to, to work together. Um, Barry Hayes is a British adventurer, speaker and writer, and initially most notable for crossing the Pacific Ocean in a rowing boat in 2014 as part of the world's first human-powered race across that ocean but later for rowing across the Indian Ocean in 2018 in aid of young onset Parkinson's disease. Barry takes his adventures and experiences and draws parallels with everyday situations to inspire audiences worldwide and to raise awareness for his adopted charities. So welcome Barry to Reframe Your Mindset for Success. How are you? Good, thank you, Paul. Yes, very good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. What have you been up to recently? Oh, it's very busy at the moment. We're uh, we've, we've, I set, we set up a new company last last year, which sort of uh, enables people to have sort of big adventures and trying to trying to sort of support people in their quests to have those big adventures. And uh, it's uh, it's quite a mammoth at the moment, so it's taking all of my time at the moment. <laughs> oh, brilliant! That sounds really exciting, interesting stuff. Yeah, it's good. It's good doing that and um, helping people. You know, with uh, I'm doing a bit of social media for getting people uh, you know, commentary for people who are trying to row across oceans at the moment. So I had one crew come in a couple of days ago, and I got another one coming in in a couple of days from now. So it's exciting to be involved in all that sort of stuff. And even though I'm sat at home in lockdown, I'm sort of living my life through other people. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Brilliant! It's, it's going to be really interesting to find out a little bit more about that as we, as we go through. But I, I am going to take you back a step because. I know that when we first met, and I'm I'm going back a good number of years now, um, you know, part of your story was that you'd actually rowed the Pacific Ocean. Um, and I was just wondering if you, you could share a little bit about that for us and maybe we could take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we met back in 2014 when I just got back from um, Hawaii after rowing across from California in the world's first uh, human-powered race across that ocean um and it sort of it came about because you know I'm, I'm not a rower i've never been to sea before uh, before i'd done that uh never rowed a boat before even on the river um but it was it was it was uh, my dad basically he had been in the in the military and he'd been my inspiration to to go out there and do things and all these amazing stories that he would come home with every time he came home about all these uh, adventures he'd been on in in the military um i wanted to to do that uh, but I, I, I wasn't able to join the military because of my um, asthma and epilepsy. And, and once I found out that I couldn't do that, I, I kind of didn't have any any way in, in, in life. I was like, this is what I want to do. I cannot do that. Whatever happens, I cannot do that um, just because of that bit of paper. Um, and so I sort of went down the path most traveled and got an eight to five working in the post room of the bank where I where I met you. Um <laughs> But then my dad got very ill um, and he was in a coma and we got told that he was going to uh, pass away and we got given this sort of leaflet about coping with loss. And it was, I think, the trigger moment that, that, that created change. You know, I remember thinking, OK, so he's had this, he's had all these amazing adventures all around the world uh, and he's, and he's, 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 and I, I can't do those. But I was always so inspired by what he was doing. How was my who was child who was seven at the time? How could he be inspired by, by what 
I do. You know, I, I lip stamps for a living. Where what's how can he be inspired? So uh, with that, I, I decided that I was going to do these big adventures. I just I realized I just didn't have to do. I didn't have to join the military to do it. There's there's more than one way to skin a skin a cat. Basically, I could I could do those adventures in a completely different way. Uh, and so with that, I sort of put myself out there as someone that wanted to do something, and very quickly found a guy uh, who was looking for people to help him row as a four across the Pacific Ocean in the, in this race. Um, it was it was very much you know none of us had any experience. Uh, the team fell apart. Uh, we got another team that fell apart. Uh, we didn't actually find crew crew member number three until the night before we flew to california uh didn't find the last member until we were in california uh our boat we got about six days before the race started and we were genuinely known as the jamaican bobsled team of that race (laughs) um the boat was you know messy and dirty and most of the electrics were frazzled and it started to sink as we started to row it across the ocean but you know we, we 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 definitely shouldn't really have been there but we we did very well we we there was only six people that made it across in that race, so mo- most boats didn't make it across, uh, and we we broke the pre-race world record by 19 days. So we were really pleased with with what we were able to do as people who had no rowing experience or, or ocean experience at all. That that is absolutely amazing. I mean, to, to go from I mean, as as you mentioned there, to have no rowing experience at all. So they go and row the Pacific Ocean. No, so it's not what most people do. You know, how, how did you how did you get from no experience at all to actually in the boats and rowing the ocean itself? You know, and well, what was it? There, obviously, you, you said it was about your dad, and that was the reason he wanted to do it. But, but you know, how how did you go from no experience to, to yeah, adventure? I think I think, I think that um, <laughs> ties in well with your with your with your podcast. But I think it is about. Uh, mindset and i don't know if it's necessarily any kind of strength or, or, or weakness in mindset it's just a a frame of mindset in that you know i i was always brought up and it was my mum that always used to say you know you can be whoever you want it to be um and i i genuinely believed that and until i started getting told you can't you can't join the military um and i remember thinking yeah i, c- I can't why can't I join the military? I, I can't be whoever I want to be if I can't join the military. The military is a fallback job for for so many people, you know. And I I, I can't even get that. So I can't. I certainly can't be whoever I want to be in life. And so because I lost that focus, I, I very much became a lot more. I became a little closed minded. But that sort of trigger event reopened up that original mindset that I had that I could do everything, you know, do be, be whoever I wanted to be, and. and I just started thinking about through my life, you know, in granular detail, you know, why do I want to join the military? And don't get me wrong, I'm very pleased I didn't join the military. It's not something that was is on my to-do list anymore. Uh, but it was the reason I w- jo- wanted to join was not because uh, of the uniform or, or being screamed at by a drill sergeant. It was to have those adventures. And once you start to think of the the end goal and you break down things into a more granular level you realize well actually there's far more ways than of having adventures than than just joining the military that's just perhaps a common way of doing it but it's it's only one way of doing it um so 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 for me that was um it was going back to sort of how i'd been brought up in the fact that i could do whatever could be whoever i wanted to be um and 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 i've always had that mindset i think to be able to just go and do something and, and you know if you turn up and can't do it then you so so a, a big part of that's around your self-belief as well isn't it and i know one of the things that you mentioned to me um when you were first telling me about 
what you did was the, the amount that you read prior to, you know, rowing the ocean, that you got as many books as you could about ocean rowing and read through them. And that's how you started to prepare yourself because it was something that you didn't fully understand, but you needed to know what good looks like. Yeah, and I think that's important with um with, with with lots with lots of things I think you know and and it's it's how you uh, develop mindset generally you know I, I think that uh, mindset I, I love mindset I think it can be the reason I love it is because once you understand it you can wake up one morning and just decide that I am going to be this kind of person from now on this is what I'm going to do um, and, and that's a really powerful tool when you really look at it and you think well I can completely change. What I, what I think about myself, it can make you a worse person or a better person. However, and those are the sort of extreme reframings of, of, of mindset, I think. But um, for me, I think mindset is is also cultivated. Um, I think it's something that's a, a, a gradual uh, change and something that you can either be um, uh, have happen to you. You know, you're watching with your, your mother telling you what to do in, in life, or you you make those decisions yourself in order to cultivate it. So, like you say, when um, I got involved in, in well, well, I didn't even know that rowing an ocean was possible when i first found out that it was i read every single book that i'd ever uh, could find on on the, on the issue watched every video um every every film i found out these people that were in these books and these people that kept cropping up and i found out where they lived and i got in touch with them which is you know probably a little bit of a psycho thing to do but it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's that's the sort of person you're dealing with here um so i go out to those people and i i made the sort of ocean rowing community my friends, whether they liked it or not, you know, I, I didn't just go and meet them and go away. I made them part of my circle of friends. And I think by immersing yourself in that environment, like in, and it can be quite an uncomfortable environment because you don't know it, but by immersing yourself in that rather uncomfortable environment, um, you start to pick up things, you know, but, but very quickly I was able to sort of think like an ocean rower and make decisions like an ocean rower and I was analyzing risk like an ocean rower uh, and before long I knew more about ocean rowing than most people on the planet and I hadn't even set foot in a boat uh, and I think that's it's a conscious decision to change your mindset it's, it's not an instant thing but it's a, an overtime thing and the more you immerse yourself in that world uh, you, your mindset mindset shifts to share some of those qualities that's absolutely brilliant advice and and obviously you've learned that through experience as well and the mindset to be able to do that um when, when you actually then finished the the pacific row how, how did that feel because obviously everything had been about the journey up till then and eventually you get to the destination of you completed the row so what what, what was that like yeah, it's 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 a it's a strange place to be it, it's it's incredible there is no question about it for me doing that uh, row was life-changing uh, no question about it but perhaps not in the ways that I thought it was going to be you know and I sort of I think I almost naively thought that um, I would now be a famous person or, or, or something like I don't really know what I was expecting <laughs> yeah. but you know, yeah. I, I, I do remember coming back to work um, and walking in and, and nobody having any idea about what had gone on and what I'd done and it just seemed all very very strange all of a sudden but what it did was create um, a calm place within me, um, you know, sitting on, on the oars because you row 24 hours a day, uh, two hours on, two hours off, 24 hours a day. You know, it's sitting on the oars in the middle of the night. You've got shooting stars above you and uh, the Milky Way and you're sort of staring into sort of 
the endlessness of space and you, you have lots of time to think and it makes you realize the things that are important to you than the things that you would like to do more of when you when you're home uh, and it really i don't know separates you makes you feel it gives you a huge amount um and I, f I found it hard to go back to work you know because you've you've done something like this where you're making life or death decisions every five minutes and suddenly you're back in the office and Gareth from three desks down is is losing his mind over someone moving his stapler without his express permission, you know, or, or someone's exploded because the wrong cost center has been used. I understand that it's wrong, but I can't understand the sort of apoplectic rage. So there was this sort of element of disconnect when, when I got back. What it, what it did, though, was give me a different aspect on on my world, my own personal aspect on my own personal world. And I sort of it very clearly said to me you, you absolutely can do those anything you put your mind to uh, and it's been nice to be able to go on and do more things like that in, in the future and be able to support other people in, in in those yeah that that's you know that's such a, a a way of developing your mindset through experience and obviously you know such a profound experience as well so so go going from the ocean row that that first ocean row. Obviously, I know that you then went on to, to row the Indian Ocean, but that in between phase, then so you've achieved the dream, and then you then. I mean, when we we talked, the, the amazing thing that I got from you was that literally because you'd rowed the ocean, you felt that nothing could stop you. You kind of had this "nothing's going to stop me" mindset, um, and I, I don't know if you you were then doing some running in between the next row. Um, but could you talk to us just a little bit about then your mindset after you completed the row and then the types of things that you were doing before you then build up to the, the Indian Ocean row? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, coming back from the, those sort of things it is very difficult to sort of fit back into to normal life. And it, but it did make me realize that. So when I first came back, I was just eating, eating and eating and eating. And I was having, you know, large kebabs and takeaways every single night. And I was not interested in going to the gym. And I, I think the problem um, was that I'd sort of almost felt like I'd self-actuated. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd reached that goal, that, that absolute pinnacle that I'd always been working towards. And now that I'd rowed an ocean, I will always be an ocean rower. I'll, I'll, that'll never change. It doesn't matter how fat and diabetic that i get i will never i'll never not be an ocean rower which is quite a, a toxic mindset really you sort of realize that you've made it sort of thing and and, and, and that, that's the end of it so i realized fairly quickly that i needed to find a new everest um and i needed something to work towards um, i knew that i couldn't actually climb everest because the pacific cost an absolute fortune to get involved with and i'll be paying it off till the day i die i think uh but it was you know finding something that was going to put me outside of my comfort zone something that I couldn't do um, that I could aim towards doing so as I say no money but I had a pair of trainers and and I used to enjoy running and I was I wanted to be a long distance runner and I, I could never get the long distances I, I couldn't the, the furthest I'd ever run was a half mar half marathon and I had to walk you know to the end of that so um, I wasn't very good at long distance running but that's that's what I, I quite enjoyed the sort of challenge of it the endurance element of it so i got a pair of trainers and i started uh, running when i got back and i i did about i think about 25 meters around the track and uh, um that was that was as 
much as I could manage because you know you lose the ability to walk whilst you're rowing an ocean. Um, and then I kept going every day, every day, and getting a bit further and a bit further. Uh, I built it up, and then by the end of the first month back in the country, um, I did like. Like a, I think called Tough Mudder, so it's like a fun run with mud and stuff. But it's essentially twelve miles long, so it was. But I did it very easily, and, and I thought, well, you know, this is just about as far as I've ever run in my life. Uh, yet I was struggling beforehand, and now I found that fairly easy. So I sort of pushed it a little bit further. And the end of the next month, I ran a, a marathon, and you know, twice as far as I've ever run in my life. And don't get me wrong, it was hard, very hard, but it was, you know, completely doable. Um, and so the month after, I ran a an ultramarathon and, and I've gone on to do sort of lots of different sort of ultramarathons around the place. Um, and it's often with no training at all, and, and, and which is not a sensible thing to do, you know, physically it's not a, <laughs> an advisable thing to do at all, but it's that mindset where I think, I think if you, if you achieve something that's, you know, the pinnacle of what you think is possible and you achieve it well and you combat well from it, it does give you that sort of sense that you can take on anything uh, you want to take on. Um, I think if I was a serious runner, what I was doing was be very, very silly. But the fact that I, I was just trying to achieve things that were outside of my comfort zone and kept on trying to do things that were more than I think I could do um, was a really cathartic thing for me to do. And it doesn't always work. You know, there was a race earlier last year where I got picked up face down on the floor in the middle of the road by a car that was coming past because I was completely unconscious. <laughs> it's just, it, it doesn't always work at all. But, uh, you know, that, that mindset to be able to put yourself out of your comfort zone and, and almost be becoming, you know, comfortable with being uncomfortable, uh, which I, I don't really like that, that saying. I think that that doesn't make any sense, but it, it's almost, um, it's almost that, you know, living, can't be comfortable with being uncomfortable but i think being uncomfortable or, or seeing it as a challenge rather than something to be feared um is is, is incredibly powerful uh, because every time you go out of your comfort zone you broaden your mindset you change your aspect on life uh, you see more things you have more opportunities so that that's an amazing type of, of mindset to have so you know to, to be able to to get yourself in a place where you're basically unstoppable in a way um so, so going from there then to the Indian Ocean Road, because obviously you've, you've rowed an ocean, was that the, I've now got to row another, I've got a couple of oceans left to go, so I'm going to tick them off? Or was, was there something more to the fact that you chose the Indian Ocean Road, say, over the Atlantic Ocean Road? So, so the, the Indian came about because it, it, um, there's, there's something quite magical almost about being on that on the ocean in a rowing boat and, and all the feelings and things that are associated with it so i certainly can't say that it was a selfless act to row across the indian ocean it was something that i wanted to do and and i do want to row across the atlantic but the the indian ocean came about because We'd, we'd had the opportunity to do the Pacific. We, we'd done it. We put all our you know, credit cards on the line for it, all our savings, took massive loans out, um, and we'd done it. To then go and put loads more money into something else um, just for the pleasure of doing it just seemed almost selfish in some way. Um, and we wanted to do – we realized that what we were doing was they were quite powerful projects, these ocean rows, and we could actually use them to put something on a pedestal, perhaps do some research. Uh, and we were pretty passionate about um, young onset Parkinson's disease, and we wanted to do some research into that field. So we worked with Oxford Brookes University, and we felt that the best way we could highlight – 
the issue of young onset Parkinson's disease was by recruiting someone that actually had uh, that illness. And so we found Robin, who was 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 fantastic, just perfect for what we wanted to do. Um, and, and he'd been diagnosed the year before and found that diagnosis very difficult. And it's quite a long story, but in short, uh, we, we, we decided to do the Indian Ocean because it's thought of as the, the most difficult out of the Atlantic, Pacific and Indian. Um, and we wanted it to be a massive challenge. We didn't want to do a token crossing to say, look, a Parkinson's person can get across. We wanted to do something that would genuinely challenge everybody on that boat uh, and, and that person be part of it. And the research that we did was was really interesting. They, 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 we did, there was lots of blood taken and brain hats on to take lots of different uh, readings and lots of training. But essentially, when Robin got on the boat in Australia, he um, his Parkinson's symptoms were uh, quite a severe shake, a very severe limp. Uh, he'd drag his foot behind him and, and he would lock up. Uh, and then when we got to the other side of Mauritius, all of his physical symptoms of Parkinson's disease were, were absent, completely absent. And we hadn't fixed Parkinson's disease. That wasn't what was happening. But what we what we had done is we were able to reduce the symptoms to an almost zero level so that the, dealing with Parkinson's disease became a lot easier for, for him to do. We were then able to replicate that in a, in a gym. And with, um, with a diet, we discovered that uh, Parkinson's people use... Um, carbohydrates in a slightly different way to, to people without Parkinson's so we were able to put someone on a, on a ketogenic diet under observation by the professors at the, at the university put them on this very strict regime and their their symptoms also reduced to almost zero so it was that was what the whole idea of doing the Indian was it had to be we wanted to give something back we wanted to shine a light on something we wanted to create um, opportunity for people uh, uh, and and the research I mean if I do nothing else for the rest of my days we'll be incredibly proud of that research it was it was uh, it was amazing to see the difference in, in Robin um, yeah yeah that, that's that's absolutely fantastic you know to to think that not only you've got to do something that you love but to be able to give something back as well and to obviously have those positive findings to help people with parkinson's disease it is absolutely brilliant so so going from the, the indian ocean road then to just back to so what is it you're doing now so you know the last time we'd really spoken in detail was it was around the end of the indian ocean road so um, you, you started to talk about the work that you have been doing to help other ocean rowers and adventurers. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, of course. So we, we set up a company called Monkey Fist Adventures, um, and that that is a company that is designed to create adventure. So there's, there, it's multifaceted, and we've got lots of different ideas, and it's in its early years at the moment. Um, but the idea is to, uh, at the moment we're trying to build a bit of a following, uh, but then it will be about creating opportunities for people that um, you may not think could do something or may not think they could, or doing something like what we did with Robin, which was creating, um, doing research through um, extreme adventure you know and our sort of our sort of bag is is ocean rowing, um, so we, we, we started off doing with that, so we did an Atlantic row last year. Um, with another lady with Parkinson's disease uh, and then um, next month we're doing another ocean row uh, with so I'm not going to go on the actual row I'm going to be doing the, com the 
Ponds, but it's going to be my colleague Billy um, and then Matthew Pritchard, who used to be on Dirty Sanchez on NTV, and yeah. a chap called Martin Hesseltine, who is uh, 60 years old, uh, who a lot of people say, how, how, how is he going to make it across? But there are plenty of people who are older than him that have done it as well. Uh, and another guy called Johnny Ward, who is an Irishman who, who left home when he was young, um, started traveling and, 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 and never stopped and made his money uh, traveling around the world. And he has visited every single country in the world. So he's, there's some real fascinating characters on board this this crossing so it's going to be a, a really really um, amazing adventure to follow and I, i'm going to do a little plug you can follow it over at monkeyfistadventures.com <laughs> but uh, yeah we, we uh, uh it's it's going to be that that's leaving next month and it's going to be a really fascinating thing to to, to follow and then from there, we're looking at doing things like developing an app which will connect adventurers with other adventurers so that they can do take on these things. And that would be anything from climbing Everest or rowing, the, rowing an ocean to, you know, just trying out surfboarding one day. Uh, it just connects you with like-minded people who, who, who know what they're talking about or might know what they're talking about or can point you in the right direction. And it's for us, it's about creating communities uh, and creating opportunities for people that, you know, perhaps you wouldn't expect to be able to do something like that. Wow, that, that that sounds brilliant. You know, some of the work that you're doing there and the creativity and innovation that's, that's come into play there as well with developing the app and connecting people who, who want to go on their own adventures. So I'm just going to go back to to a couple of things because obviously we're, we're focused on mindset and we've got what what's not your full story, obviously, but, you know, a snapshot of, of your story and the things that you've achieved and the things that you're doing now. So if I was to ask you why is mindset so important in what you do, what what would you say? <laughs> I think it has to be, as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I'm, you know, it's certainly not physical strength. I've got these sort of little noodle arms. <laughs> I'm no uh, James Cracknell, uh, <laughs> but it, but it, I, th- I, I, I genuinely feel that, and it's probably cliche, but I, I genuinely feel that uh, mental mental strength uh, can can get you through through almost everything and um, we talk about training for ocean rows and absolutely physical training the more physical training you do um, the less mental strength you will need to overcome the hurdles but you know there's there's no question in my mind that most people could row an ocean tomorrow it's 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 the it's the it's the it's not the physical strength that's there it's the it's the it's the mental strength uh, and i say that with with quite a lot of um clarity a friend of mine angela madsen has rowed five oceans in her life um and she is oh she was 62 this year and she is paralyzed from the waist down so physically uh pretty much everyone listening could row an ocean tomorrow i can guarantee that uh, it's the it's the mental side of things it's the mindset that, that to do it in the first place or to want to do it in the first place or to achieve it in the first place uh, that is absolutely key um and it certainly is uh, for me, as I say, I, I am not a physical specimen. Um, I just had a trigger event uh, that gave me a jolt, uh, changed my life, changed my mindset, um, and, and that, and that generally, gen- genuinely changed my life. Brilliant. And also, Brilliant. sorry, well, it's, it's not. Yeah. A, it's not. A, I don't think it's a key to happiness either. It's not. It's not a magic fix. You know, I'm. I'm still the same idiot that licks stamps in a post room. I, 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 it's just. It just unlocks so much more potential in your life and, and gives you so much more opportunity. Um, I, I think once you're clear in your mind that you can control your mindset, it, it just allows you to achieve uh, stuff that's kind of way beyond your imagination. 
brilliant. And how, how would you actually describe your mindset then? I mean, there's so much that you've talked about already, but how would you describe it? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, it's funny with mindset. I think I think to be, in order to be the sort of absolute best version of yourself at any one time, it, it does re- require a shift in, in mindset. Um, and I think we do that, as I was talking about before, but it, it's cultivated over time. Our mindset slowly shifts or we can sort of wake up one morning and decide now I'm going to do be this sort of person. Um, but I think the most probably the most recent example is kind of working in this current climate, you know, this climate that we're in with the pandemic and, and everything that goes with it has been such an enormous shift for everybody. And you either shift or you get left behind. And there's, there's, there's so many people that have gone, well, I can't do it because of COVID. And at the same time, I'm looking at going, well, there are absolutely some really important things that we need to be doing and we absolutely should be uh, adhering to all the all the advice that that, that we've been given about um, social social distancing and, and masking up but there's still ways of getting things done even in uh, that climate and it's entirely up to you there is a you know you you can decide not to not to do that and, and there's a very very good excuse not to do it uh, but I, I feel there's there's an awful lot of people doing incredible things in the middle of this pandemic because they've just shift, shifted their mindset, they've reframed that mindset, and now they're focused in a different way. And if you were to give practical mindset tips, I mean, obviously your whole story is, is <laughs> there's plenty of tips in there, full stop, from start to finish, but the practical tips that maybe you've, you've used in, to be able to row the ocean or to do what you're doing currently? Yeah, I think that... Um kind of kind of like that what i was talking about about where you read everything and and, and get involved so you know i think it's really important to be clear in your mind what you want to achieve um you know regardless of whether you're the right fit or you have the right training or you're that sort of person i think you need to spend quite a lot of time focusing on exactly what is it that i want you know it's not joining the military it's having those adventures or maybe it's the uniform whatever it is find out what is it that what's the end goal that you need and i think that's very very important and then once you know that it makes it once you're very very clear it makes it a lot easier to then um focus your mindset in in the right direction it, i guess it's like trying to play football without your glasses on you know if you can't see where the goal is you aren't going to be scoring or you're unlikely to be able to score if you've you're, you've got crystal clear vision because you've got a crystal clear goal in your mind um then you're much 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 more likely uh, to score that that goal and i think once that that focus is in place uh, it's important just to be bold and, and 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 kind of immerse yourself in whatever it is that you're wanting to be you know i i, I can't speak japanese but it ain't going to stop me going to Japan. And, <laughs> and when I'm in Japan, I will, you know, whilst I'm there, I'll pick up words. And if I'm there for long enough, I'll pick up phrases. Uh, and if, I, if I'm there for long enough, I will become fluent in Japanese. I'll become the expert by immersing myself in experts. And it will be an uncomfortable place to go when I cannot speak any Japanese. But by putting yourself out of that, that, that sort of comfort zone as much as possible, um, I think it's, uh, 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 it's, it, it's, it's absolutely the key. As far as I'm concerned, putting yourself out of your comfort zone as much as you can is, is, key, is key to success in that one. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and if you were to, and I'm not too sure, it might just be the experiences that you had that have developed your mindset, the mindset that you've now got but is there anybody or or maybe more than one person who's helped you develop your mindset and what did they teach you if they did i think that as you say mindset changes lots of different influencing factors in mindset i think 
you know, originally my, my mom was a huge, huge contributor to my, my mindset. Uh, my dad certainly, um, which I think is very common for, for, for many people. Uh, and then you've got sort of the very obvious ones in my world that people, when I was younger, that I idolize, like people like Ranulph Fiennes. Um, who, who sort of sets, you know, that that's part of allowing you yourself to crystallize what that goal is by seeing other people doing that kind of thing. I think as far as Ocean Rowing is concerned, it was a community cultivation. It was community change. So immersing myself in that community. And there was, there was particular people that I met, you know, particularly at the beginning, there was a guy called John Haskell, who's become just an amazing friend throughout, throughout my life since who, who, was, is just someone that wanted to support me um and and you know without sort of uh, embarrassing you too much Paul but people like yourself uh, when I came back from the Pacific Ocean uh you I really didn't really was struggling to get back into 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 normality and and you very much solidified what I could do when I got back you know I I, I came back and you came and saw, saw me and said can you do a talk about it and I said absolutely <laughs> not that's the most terrifying thing I've ever done <laughs> you've just rode an ocean you must be able to talk about it and i absolutely couldn't and so you build it up you, you know you put me in you said well just tell me the story and then next thing you put me with a couple of people and said just tell them the story and then six people tell them the story and then it was 15 people and built up until i was doing you know big auditoriums with giant screens and audio visual and music and um everything other than the smoke machine going on to, to, to it was an absolute enabling experience in my life so you know I, I i certainly couldn't put it down to one single person but there are some key people in my life that have absolutely um helped to change my mindset when i, when I really needed it brilliant brilliant and, and great to be part of that um obviously and and seeing how the your talks just you know they they just one you had an amazing story but two you know seeing you grow from talking to a couple of people to that full auditorium was absolutely amazing. And obviously something now that you do for a living as a motivational speaker. Um, if, if you were then to just finish with, obviously with all these adventures that you've been on, is there any kind of fun story that you'd pick out that you know, you'd be willing to share that, that was obviously safe to share as well? Um, <laughs> I'm sure there's been many. but, but No, any, it's all any... terrible, Paul. It's constantly getting hit by flying fish and all um, <laughs> the swordfish are the worry aren't they <laughs> yeah 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 there's um there's the atlantic race that's going on at the moment and they've there's only been two swordfish strikes so with a sword going through the boat uh in the last 11 years but this this year um as of this morning there's been four uh four swordfish strikes so that's a bit of a worry but um yeah yeah i i guess there's there's been there's hundreds of things but one thing that always stands out for me was during the indian ocean row and it was um such an intense crossing that the storms were phenomenal actually really challenging crossing um swell upwards of 60 to 70 feet you know it, it was absolutely insane but we were sort of battling along and we started making some good ground and we were about eight days away from the end in Mauritius and um, we were in this huge storm and I was on my own on the oars. Robin had was got quite ill and he wasn't able to row so I was on my own on the oars in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning and you were sometimes coming off the oars with almost like car crash symptoms, you know, with, with almost like whiplash because sometimes these waves would it was it was pitch dark so you just see like all the stars start disappearing as the waves come up and then sometimes they would land on the top of your head and crush your uh crush your neck down and, and it really really 
but I think the one time where I've been on the ocean where I thought this isn't particularly handy um and uh we 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 this this one big huge wave came massive great big wave smashed into the boat and it kicked the whole boat round sideways um wow. and then whilst we were sideways this other huge wave came roaring up smashed into the boat and uh it, we capsized so um i was in the water with about a ton of boat over my head you know three o'clock in the morning in this gigantic storm in the middle of the indian ocean it wasn't the handiest place to be but uh, you know we're very safe when we do these things so i was connected to the boat by a, a metal cable and and the boat, the, the wave, the next wave hit us. It lifted the boat up, and and the whole boat started surfing down this wave with me being dragged along oh by this cable all, all upside down. And I'm, I mean, in my in my world, it, it, I thought it lasted about a minute and a half, but it was probably about three seconds. But it, it just it just surfing down this wave with foam and can't breathe and all the other things. And the boat eventually self-righted uh, as it's supposed to do. And somehow or other, I ended up. I feel like I fell out of a wave onto the boat, uh, but ended up on the. Back on the, the boat, boat <laughs> back into back on the seat, and I remember seeing my hands just shaking with with all the all the uh, uh, adrenaline that's coming through me. And I, I, I the the the, the fore cabin Billy threw the hatch open to see if I was you know still alive, uh, which I was, which was good. Uh, but he'd left the the top hatch open, so when we'd capsized, all the water had come in through the through the top hatch. Oh no! Uh, so it, was, it was soaking wet. The pair of them were soaking wet, which was which is hilarious if you were me. Um, and then James opened up his hatch and, and he'd been eating chicken korma. So he had chicken korma all over <laughs> his face, all on his beard, and there's this sort of yellow streak of chicken korma all the way around the inside of the boat. So it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, it made me laugh anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact that you've flown out, the, you know, you, you went out of the boat and then straight back in. It's like yeah. these Jurassic Park moments where they <laughs> were back in the car. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant. So well, I'm gonna I'm gonna close off there. So thanks very much for for coming along. If you were to give one bit of final advice when it comes to mindset, what would it be? I uh, I think I, what what I've talked about so far, I think I think rings true. There's a couple of things that I wanted to touch on. Um, one of them isn't so much about um, mindset, but it's kind of the difference between mental health and mental strength and i remember like, I've, I've always struggled with with mental health issues and they came to a head this year and, and the reason i didn't go and get any help with it was because as you say I, I i speak for a living and and doing these sort of talks about mental strength and i'm sitting there going well i can't even eat my rice krispies without having a meltdown something I can't, I can't tell anyone about this and it was that sort of realization once i got the support you know there's they're absolutely different things uh, and i know that this isn't quite mind frame but i think in in the current climate it's an important one to touch on you know absolutely um, the difference Very between important. mental strength and mental health are yeah. two completely different things you can be the strongest man in the world you can be eddie hall eddie hall still gets sick he still gets you know colds and in some times he, times he gets sick because of his his strength you know so 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 mental health and mental strength are, are two completely different things they just share a common word and that's about the only linking element um so so that was something that very very important that i learned this year about uh, getting that support you know everyone always says get support um and i think people think well you know and, until you're uh, about to go off a bridge then then you should you don't do that but no people would much rather speak to you when you're not at that stage uh, yeah. and help you out so that that was something that I, I did want to just touch on because i just think it's a really important thing in this current climate uh, but i mean as, as far as mindset sets concerned i think it's really what i've talked about throughout and it's it's essentially that in my mind 
comfort is the is the atrophy of mindset. Um, you know, I, I see comfort as, as a similar thing to sort of food. We need both of those things. We, we have to have food to survive and we have to have rest and recuperation to survive. But if we eat too much food, then that is not healthy for us and we become fat and we become lazy. Uh, and it's exactly the same with comfort. If we take too much comfort, then you know, we become fat and lazy and, and, and it, it rots our mind. It's the atrophy of, of, of positive mindset, you know, and, and, and I guess it's all about, you know, things like going to the gym. It's not a comfortable thing to do. It's, it's uncomfortable, but it helps you out. Uh, but it goes further than just physical fit fitness or, 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 or a physical feeling of uncomfort. It's, you know, talking to someone in a bar when you feel like that's uncomfortable or it's meeting someone or it's, it's, it's going somewhere that's uncomfortable. All of these things, every time you do it, it becomes easier and makes it part of your arsenal uh, in life. Uh, and I think that absolutely, yeah, if that, that was that was my, my final bit of advice. I'd say that, you know, we need comfort. We need rest and recuperation, but too much is a bad thing. And, and comfort is very much the atrophy of mindset. Well, they are two brilliant pieces of advice, especially in the times of uncertainty and change that, that we're living in right now. So I'm going to conclude there. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you for, for coming on the podcast, no sharing your story obviously giving us insights into your mindset and, and things that you know you've experienced it's been amazing absolutely amazing so thank you very much barry thanks for having me on paul so some reflections after speaking with barry which, which was you know an absolute fantastic story and some brilliant points amazing points about mindset and for me, when we think about the mindset equation, what did Barry do? He found something that he could get really passionate about and that he enjoyed, which was ocean rowing. When you think about the mindset equation, the aspiration to think big, take on a massive challenge, something he hadn't done before. When we look at belief, the self-belief to row an ocean when he had no ocean experience is just unbelievable. But he had that belief. You know, the drive and motivation to train for that ocean row, to learn as much about ocean rowing as well. You know, the emotional intelligence to to actually immerse himself in the environment of ocean rowers and then to bring the right crew together and get the right support team as well. And then when we look at the resilience, well, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? You know, the resilience to, to row an ocean and, and the months that it takes to do that. And then, you know, the learning agility, just that agility to, you know, literally at times they didn't know whether they were going to have a crew and, you know, to turn up to, to California and still not have you know the the full the full crew the full four you know it just goes to show you the agility that Barry demonstrated to make that ocean row happen, and naturally with a positive adaptable growth mindset that Barry's got, it's amazing what is possible. So Barry for me just lives the mindset equation, and I think that was just a brilliant episode to get us kicked off with.